Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, you are in for a treat on today's inaugural episode of Business of Design podcast. We're finally here and we're live. I like to call it Business of Design to Go or BOD to Go because I know so many of you will be listening on the run or while you're stuck in traffic or on the treadmill. It's a great use of your time. And on this episode, I'm going to be talking to Veronica Solomon, who's an award-winning interior designer from Texas, about the consultation and everything that goes with it from that first phone call uh, to never taking no for an answer and the specifics of how you operate at the consultation. Now, it turns out that Veronica is really gifted in her ability to talk to potential clients and woo them and close the sale. So we are going to learn a lot from her. But I do want to point out that I was not gifted at those things. My innate skills did not include being able to comfortably talk about money, nor to sell anything. And you got to be able to do that if you're the person who's answering your phone when potential clients call. So before we meet Veronica, and you're going to adore her, I want to share something with those of you who find the sales process challenging. And that, of course, ties into selling the consultation. uh, Because ultimately, listening to good advice from business of design or anyone else isn't going to help if you can't implement it, right? So what did I do to get comfortable in the role of salesperson? I pretended I was someone else. I pretended I was Kimberly Kimberly Seldon, Seldon, businesswoman. And just saying it makes me giggle because I picture myself in a really tight pantsuit with a cape. Not a good look, but I literally had to practice being that person. Kimberly Kimberly Seldon, Seldon, businesswoman. Because the person I truly am, my hardwired self or my default position, is not Kimberly Seldon, businesswoman. Instead, I am naturally irreverent. I use humor as a way to deflect conflict. I want things to be easy on everyone involved. I am a people pleaser. So I am more like go with the flow, Kimberly. Uh, I wanted to be an actor or a dancer, not a business person. So as you are listening to the invaluable lessons Veronica is going to share with us during this podcast, if you struggle to imagine yourself doing these things as successfully as she does them, try instead to envision yourself stepping into your own alter ego and then tackling the tasks. Okay? I promise if you pretend for long enough, you will wake up one day and find it's a very easy persona to slip into. It's going to fit like a glove. That's what happened to me. I now can become Kimberly Seldon businesswoman without even thinking about it because I've had so much practice. I don't even wear a cape. It just happens. (laughs) So all of you are going to love Veronica's enthusiasm and her candor and the lessons she's going to teach. For instance, she has an unusual hourly rate and she's going to tell you why that works for her and even how it acts as a conversation starter when she meets new clients. She's also going to share what it used to be like, uh, which meant going to consultations for free and ultimately not getting the projects. And then she's going to talk about how she transformed all that by charging more money and being transparent about it. So yeah, once again, charge more, Don't hide the fact that you charge for your services. It's okay to make a profit. That's why we're here. And you're going to get more jobs and better jobs. I love, too, that Veronica even has a brilliant response for those potential customers who question why she charges for the consultation. You'll really like that. Before you meet our guest, let's give some love to our sponsor, Patrick Reynolds Media. As you all know, working with a professional designer is a very different experience from working with someone who does a little decorating on the side as a hobby or someone who dabbles in decorating and design from time to time. The difference is so vast and so obvious to all of us. Well, the same reasoning can also be applied to hiring a professional videographer versus taking some video with your cell phone. 
If you're serious about providing engaging content that moves consumers to hire you, it may be time to get professional help. I turned to Patrick Reynolds Media, and I have done so for more than 15 years. Patrick is a professional cameraman with more than 25 years experience working on a bunch of award-winning television shows, but he's also a storyteller, which means he knows how to get your message and your branding across. So whether you're giving a home tour of a recent project or you're talking directly to the camera and directly to your customers, Patrick Reynolds Media can provide the kind of direction you've been missing. They also handle editing, content creation for online or web, and even help with scripting, producing, and media coaching. I cannot say enough about the nice people at Patrick Reynolds Media. Rates are competitive, so call today, or you can also find them online at patrickreynoldsmedia.com. You'll also get this information at businessofdesign.com. Now, Veronica has been featured in numerous publications, including the ASID Texas Gulf Coast Chapter Magazine, Houston House and Home Magazine, Katie Magazine, and on the national blog Apartment Therapy. Impressively, she has also been named one of the top 10 emerging designers to watch by Black Interior Designers Network. And she's doing all that while she's a mom. She's been practicing uh, interior design for 10 years. Uh, And during that time, she served more than 100 clients, and this is impressive. She has developed long-term relationships with many of them, and today she gets a lot of her new business from referrals. That's a great goal for all of us. So I don't want to waste any more time. you got to meet Veronica Solomon. Veronica, it is so fun to have you on the show. I've been thinking about this moment for a long time because every week or so, I see you on Facebook with some new awesome video, and I think that girl has it going on. Uh, Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Now, we decided that there are 175 topics we could talk about, but we thought, let's just start at the beginning and talk about the consultation, because if you don't get that right, you don't get any bigger projects, do you? Right, exactly. To me, that's one of the most important steps in the whole process. Okay, so right off the bat, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you whether or not you charge for the consultation process, how long it is, and uh, if you do charge, what do you charge? So we're establishing at the very beginning here that we're going to speak very candidly for the audience. So there's no theory. We're going to tell them everything we know, right, Veronica? Yes, no problem at all with that. So yes, I do charge for my consultations. I've been doing that for a couple of years now. Um, I charge $397 for up to two hours. And um, it's, you know, it's after I started listening to you and I decided that it's time to really start charging for this. Okay, wait a minute though. I have to butt in here and say $397. Why not $400? How did you uh-huh. arrive at $397? <laughs> well, um, it's not superstition, but it's a, it's a little belief system that I have that um, the number seven um, is symbolic of um, completion. And so it's symbolic to me that I actually usually use the sevens after most of the numbers for my fees and things like that. And so basically how the, I arrived at that number is um, it's basically my design fee, which is $177 per hour times two. Plus, I add in a little bit for automobile expenses, like for my gas and, you know, just wear and tear in my car. I love it. That's awesome. Do clients ask you about that as well? Yes, I get that question quite a bit. And it's actually a great conversation starter sometimes. You know, people will actually get right into that and it just helps to break the ice. And so I'm, I'm thinking, hey, it's working a lot better than I expected it to. Okay, that's really, really cool. Now, you imply that you've been doing this for a couple of years. Before this, you were going for free. So can you compare and contrast for everybody? What's the difference going for free and going for $397? How does that, how has that worked out? Uh, so in the past, when I would go for free, um, my mission, my goal was basically to uh, go fact find and, and, you know, kind of question the client and get as much information from them, take measurements with the goal of providing them with a proposal or, or, or quote later on. So I was not really giving them any information. Sometimes it would slip out because, you know, as a designer, we can't help ourselves. Mm-hmm. But um, and then, you know, I'd like catch myself and think, oh, my gosh, I just gave away some free information, you know. I should never do that. But once I started to charge, I realized that, you know, it's, I'm providing value to, 
to clients and they're able to see what I can do for them. I am showing them that I'm the professional that they'd want to hire for their projects. Mm -hmm. And so I find that my conversion rates are a lot better now that I am charging. People are more than willing to pay for that time because they see that they're getting some value from that. I love that. And uh, for those of you listening who don't charge and you're afraid to charge, I hope you heard Veronica just say that her conversion rate is better when she charges than when she doesn't charge. Because that was my experience too. Absolutely. I, I, it's just like night and day, to be honest with you. I, um, I would send out my proposals in the past and um, people would just, um, I don't hear back. Now people are just kind of jumping on it. They realize that, you know, she is the designer that I want for this project because she's already proven herself to me at this consultation. So it's, I think it's, I think all designers should really look into doing that because it really does help to grow your business. I mean, I've seen my business grow quite a bit in the last couple of years because I started charging for my consultations. Isn't that amazing? I love that. And of course, it's backed up by thousands of other people who tell us the same thing at Business of Design. And mm-hmm. and I know you, you're running a mature business now, so you're also um, watching your quantifiable um, measurements, such as how many consultations do you get each month? Do you mind mm-hmm. sharing that with us? So um, it ranges, um, like um, December, for example, I did over, I think I did about 12 um, consultations in the month of December. So sometimes I'll get like two a week and I've gotten as much as five consultations booked in one week. And um, that's unprecedented. That's never happened in the past. So yes, it's really, um, yeah, it's really a game changer. You're on fire. I love that. Honestly, that's a lot of consultations. So right now there's uh, some interior design professional listening and she's being all judgy with herself because she doesn't have five a week or two a week. Um, And what do you Mm -hmm. want to say to her? Because it wasn't always like that for you. So what do you want to say to that person who's getting one or two consultations a month? I would say that when the client call, when you when you have the prospects call you first of all, you have to really get on that phone with them and just um, you know be confident first of all. Have your system and your process kind of be able to say to them on the phone, this is how I work. This is what I'll do for you. This is the benefit of having me come out and, and paying me for these two hours. Um, once you get them on the phone, it's really the time to to start that process, to let them see that you're the professional that they'd like to hire for their project. And so people typically, they're not going to say no when they think that they've, they've found a designer for them. And so you know, if you're kind of on the fence or if you're thinking it's impossible to get that many consultations, really just kind of think about how you're talking to clients when, when they call you initially. Okay. And that goes back again to being a mature business owner and evaluating your process. So mm-hmm. if your phone's ringing four mm-hmm. or five times a month and you're only turning one of those people into a consultation, then you're, what you're saying, Veronica, I think is that you need to go back and look at what your sales process looks back like and see if you can fatten mm-hmm. that up a little bit to make it more enticing for that person okay. to sign up with you. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, and what I've done is, um, I, I do offer consultations as a separate service as well. So while my goal obviously is to, um, to convert everybody into a full service project, that's not always the case. I, I still try to, um, provide some value to other clients who aren't necessarily looking for a full service designer. They just maybe want some ideas to, to move forward. They just want a design plan. And so um, I offer that as a service as well. So that helps um, people to call me just to say, hey, um, I'm, I'm just kind of looking to do this room. I want to maybe um, just get a plan and I'll do it on my own. So um, that's another way that you can improve your your um, conversion rate because a lot of times I'll go in just to provide them a plan and then it ends up being this big project because they're like you know what you handle it right. so um so it helps to kind of yeah Oh my gosh, you've touched on so many things there. First of all, when you're as busy as Veronica, you need to raise your rate. So Veronica, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say you really should be kicking it up to about 227 now and see what happens because you can't probably keep up that pace. Um, so the best time to raise your rate is when you're super, super busy. Uh, and then this, the other thing that you said there is uh, sometimes when you, you think you're just going for the consultation, if you do a really good job delivering that consultation, you actually turn those people into if not a huge project, at least a small project. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I love doing the little jobs as well because I feel like I still have, um, I'm accessible to 
someone who necessarily don't necessarily have a big budget for um, to have me do a full service project. But yes, it does open the door a lot of times for um, for much bigger projects. I've seen my projects go from an average of let's say like thirty, forty thousand dollars to much more than that. And um, I think it really has to do with just getting yourself in the door to begin with, and just proving that you're the professional that you say you are, and showing them that you have some great ideas, and they will entrust their whole house to you. So. Um, you, know, you just kind of want to get to that, you know, get inside of the door, I guess. I love your enthusiasm. So I can imagine that when someone phones you, you're the person that phones them back. And I can imagine that if you bring that same A game to answering your phone, every single client is just dying to sign up with you. So do you have a script when you phone people back and you get them to sign up for the consultation? Do you just wing it? Uh, what are some tips and strategies you can give us about that intake process when you, when you get those potential clients on the phone? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't, I wouldn't call it a script necessarily, but there are certain things, certain questions that I ask on every call. And there are certain things that I go over with every, um, with every client or potential client that I talk to. Um, So, you know, basically when, when I'm, People usually when they call or I'm calling them back, the first thing is that they start getting into their project and they start kind of telling you what their challenges are. And usually I listen them out. I listen, you know, you have to kind of control the process, obviously, because they'll talk <laughs> your ears off all day. Yeah. But um, so once you've kind of created like a little opening where you can jump in, I, I start by asking some of my questions. And some of the main questions that I'll ask is, um, first of all, how did you hear about my company? Because um, I really do track that to make sure that I'm investing my marketing dollars, you know, the right way. Um, and then I'll ask other questions relating to the project. Uh, the project, I'll ask if they're talking to other designers, because I'd like to know if I'm, you know, I'm being considered amongst a few other designers. I'll ask them um, how, what type of service they want, if they want to be doing some of the purchasing on their own, or if they um, are just looking for a full service where I do everything from start to finish. And um, I'll ask them, you know, if their spouse will be involved, just those general questions. But then I always make sure that I jump into let me tell you how I work. I always include that in um, every in every intake because um, I want them to know what to expect with me. I want them to know that you know there is a process that I follow um, and it's consistent for every client. So you know you can expect this you know for every project. So um, I, I usually get right into my process and I just give it to them in a nutshell. And then when I am actually at the consultation is when I kind of give it to them in more detail. Right. Now, do they ever, um, are they ever frightened by the fee? And if so, how do you handle that conversation? Um, typically, I don't, I don't get a whole lot of objections, to be honest, with my fees, because what I'm finding is most clients, because I do um, disclose some of my fees on my website. Um, and so I find that Good. usually they've done some research before they've called, before they, they make that call to begin with. So they are aware of kind of where they're going to be. But some of the objections, I've gotten objections like, why do you charge for the consultation? And um, what I usually say to them is because it's really not a meet and greet. I'm, I'm not coming out there just to gather information. It is really a, a valuable resource that I'm providing you with where um, I'm giving you clarity and good direction for mm-hmm. where you want to go with your project, how you're going to move forward with your project, whether I'm the designer or not. I'm going to leave you with some direction, some guidelines, some, some clarity so you'll know, you know what to say to the next designer if, if it's not me. So, um, so they, they know that they're getting some value. So I, I don't really have a whole lot of objections otherwise. When I do send out my proposal, sometimes I will get, well, it's the fees higher than, than I thought it was going to be. And um, in that case, I do pitch other services that I offer. I don't just let it go. I will say, well, here's another service I can do for you. So um, I always really try to convert um, as much as I can if I, I think it's a good project for me. I love that. It sounds to me like you're not afraid of no. You're willing to risk it and <laughs> put yourself out there and say, well, if that doesn't work, how about this? Absolutely. I do that. And a lot of the, I've gotten some conversions that way. It doesn't always happen, but um, it's usually like an e-design type service where they're doing some of the work themselves just to kind of reduce my time and obviously reduce my fees. So um, I've gotten people say, oh yeah, well that might work for us. Let's do that. And so it's so it's it's worth doing. It really is. So don't just take no and, and walk away. If you see that they're really interested in working with you, they may work with you on a, on a lower level. I love that. Okay. Now what you didn't offer to do is to lower your fee. What you instead offered to do is provide them with another service, a little bit lower value 
um, so that they would still mm-hmm. stay with you. So that's kind of the equivalent of going into a car store and saying, I want to buy that car. And they say, that car is 60000 And you say, oh, I only have forty. The dealer doesn't say, mm-hmm. okay, well, I'll sell you the $60,000 car for 40000 They say, come over here and let me show you a used car uh, because that's in your budget. So that's what you're doing. You're not devaluing your service by offering it for less. You're just offering mm-hmm. them a different service. Exactly, exactly. And still still keeping their 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 needs in mind because you don't want to just say hey, I just want to sell you something because that's what I do. You still want to make sure that you're 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 giving them something that they can use, something of value to them. So that's uh, the key there. Of course, yeah. And then w- when you go to the consultation, do you have a goal in mind? Are you kind of setting an intention before you walk through that door and introduce yourself? Um, yeah, my goal is always to really work with what's in front of me. Um, I try to uh, solve their problems right then and there. So yeah, yes, it's overwhelming in, to them and they're thinking, oh my gosh, I want to get this whole house done. But I think mostly what people are wanting at a consultation is some directions. Where do I go from here? What, what can you do for me? So I really focus on what's in front of me. Okay, here's the direction I think you can go with this project. Yeah, I think, you know, over here in each room, we'll take a tour, first of all, of the home. And, you know, I'm kind of providing advice and direction in each room. And um, in, in so doing, I'm selling myself as a professional, but I'm also kind of giving the clients ideas of, okay, all right, this is what I could do here. So, um, so my goal is always to leave that um, consultation where the client can feel like they've um, gotten something out of it. They've gotten some direction. They, they're not as overwhelmed as, as, as they were before I walked in. And then, of course, uh, I, I'll send them my proposal later on in an effort to get the project, but I want to leave them with something that they can use. Well, and that feels so much different, doesn't it, than going to the consultation for free and withholding information. It's actually the opposite. You go to the consultation, you get paid, which is lovely and which should happen, and then you're able to generously share all the knowledge you have. And so you leave that consultation, at least for me, this was true. I would leave a consultation where I did it for free and I would feel sort of resentful Um, And instead, when Mm -hmm. I get paid, I leave that consultation feeling so positive about what I was able to share with those clients, whether or not it goes on to a project. Exactly, exactly. Because you know that you've just given them something of value and something that has just solved a problem for them. So it's, it's, it's the same for me. I leave every consultation now just feeling like, you know what, if I never hear from this client again, I know that I, I, I did something for them and they're, they're, better, they're better off than before I got there. So um, that's definitely why you should charge and not just show up at somebody's house and, not, and feel like you, you have to withhold information and not share that with clients. Yeah, I love that. Most of us are super generous anyway. We're people pleasers. We want to share the information that we have. It feels good to share that information. So I heard you say that you go room by room and you kind of discuss strategies for what they have in mind. Do you have a note-taking process? Um, What's in your consultation bag and what kind of notes do you take during the consultation? So I have, um, for every consultation, I I have like a, a checklist that I bring out so to make sure I cover certain things um, I usually as you mentioned go through um, room by room and I usually <laughs> in the past I would start like solving their problems without even asking questions and sometimes you kind of put your foot in your mouth or you're like oh the sofa can you know and they, they just bought that sofa and you're telling them you know that it doesn't work so I've learned now to when it when I go into each space I'll ask them something like okay so tell me what you like about this room tell me um, what you don't like about this room and then I then I'll ask them what feeling are you trying to create here and so I start by asking them what changes they'd like to see Mm -hmm. and then I say okay so um, let me tell you what I think would be a great you know, thing to do in this room. And so that's kind of how I, I go from room to room. Um, so I'm, t- I'm making notes as I go, just so, you know, I, I make like really brief notes for myself that I hopefully can read afterwards. <laughs> for the most part, I remember a lot of it, but um, so I do my little um, notes and I'll, I'll sketch out the room in, in um, 
just a little rough sketch or something like that. And, and then once we sit down, um, I have my iPad with me so we can kind of look at, um, you know, sometimes they have Pinterest boards and things like that. And right. so we kind of look at things together. Um, so I usually have my iPad, my, my little, um, note taking sheets. Um, I usually have my tape measure, even though I don't take measurements at the consultation because I really want to focus that time on talking through their, um, challenges. Um, and so, but if, you know, for example, I'll say over here, you can do a sofa that's 88 inches or something like that. At least right. I can kind of show them where 88 inches would be. So that's really why I have my tape measure. And um, what else do I have in my bag? Um, that's about it. And my color swatch. Sometimes I help them pick out color colors um, while I'm there as well. So it's a busy, um, it's a couple of hours. Do you do two hours? Do you do one hour? What's your time? I do two hours. It's up to two hours. So sometimes they're a little bit shorter than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, we're utilizing the two hours because by the time you do the tour of the entire home, um, then you sit down and figure out what their priority areas are. Because most of my clients, even though um, they have a whole house that they'd like to get finished, they are phasing it out um, for the most part. So yeah. they're doing a few rooms at a time. And so we'll, uh, you know, we'll still still cover the whole house, but then we'll sit down and figure out what the priority areas are, time frame, and all that good stuff. I usually go over my um, the process. So I'll kind of sh- run them through what to expect during the design process. And then I'll go over uh, what my letter of agreement looks like and, and what to expect from the proposal I'm going to send them because my proposal itself is, is a contract itself and it's very involved. Mm-hmm. So I like to wa- walk them through that so they can kind of know what they're looking at once they've received it. Okay. Oh my gosh. So there's so much going on in those two hours. And I love something you said, which is the consultation is up to two hours. I found myself uh, at one point having gone to several consultations in a row that didn't use the whole two hours. And because I'm the queen of people pleasers, I would say something like, you know what? You still have 45 minutes. Why don't you call me when you have more questions and I'll come back, which seemed like a lovely thing to do. But the result of that Mm -hmm. was they would phone me. We'd have to schedule another appointment, which takes time and costs money because I have somebody working for me who Mm -hmm. does that. And then I would have to go back to the Mm -hmm. house and I'd have to reacquaint myself with everything that had gone on. And instead of spending 45 minutes at the second appearance, which is what was quote unquote owed, I would spend an hour and a half and it became problematic. So we had to become very clear that it's Mm -hmm. up to two hours. And if you don't use the whole two hours, I'm sorry. Um, you're going to forfeit the remaining mm-hmm. time. And the funny thing is I've had clients who have tried to run the clock, you know, like they really have nothing else to ask. Like they just, you know what I mean? They try to like, let me yeah, think, let me think, let me think. And then I've had other clients after an hour and 15 minutes say, you answered all my questions. Thank you so much for coming out. This was great. So it's, yeah. it's really interesting that people will take that uh, in one of two ways. So Good. So you have a, t- a firm time limit, you have a firm price on the consultation, mm-hmm. and then you have a goal and an intention when you walk through that door. Now, what do you do mm-hmm. uh, when, you, when you're going through the house and you're offering suggestions and you get a feeling, maybe it's, maybe it's just an intuition, maybe it's you know, just a tiny little red flag, but you have a feeling, Veronica, that this really isn't your ideal project. What do you, what do, you do then? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I, I probably, I don't, I don't run into that very often, thankfully, but, um, I've had situations where I just, um, graciously decline the project later on. I will say something and I, and I do it by email. I don't know if that's the right way to do it, <laughs> but I just basically say, I don't know if I'm the right designer for your project. You know, um, you know, you know, it could be anything from, you know, the timing of it, um, the budget, um, or I'll get back on the phone. I've actually gotten back on the phone and talked to them or I'll send an email because they're expecting to get an email afterwards um, from me with a, with a proposal or something like that. Okay. Um, but I, I recently had a situation where I didn't follow my gut. I, I, I didn't. And <laughs> it oh. was probably about six months ago. And um, I, didn't, I didn't like what happened. And so it's so important to follow that feeling that you get because it, it's never wrong. It, there's a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've had the I've had the exact same experience when I don't listen to my instincts. 
I suffer. And sometimes Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of greed. I really want this project. It's a great project. Look, it's Mm -hmm. on the water. It's going to look so good on my website. Um, But I I found that I I make myself suffer when I don't listen to my instincts. So you're so right about that. Okay, so for the most part, you go to the consultation. It's a great experience. And then you tell them about your letter of agreement. So can you highlight for us some of the things in your letter of agreement that you think are essential and really kick the project off in a really strong, positive way? And so in my letter of agreement, I um, I usually talk about, well, I I include the process, the design process again in there, so they're aware of kind of how it um, unfolds. Um, I talk about how I... um, the mark, I don't use the word markup in there, but I, I include how I, I make a profit off of their, their, um, the products that I sell, mm-hmm. uh, because I want them to be aware that, yes, this is, this is, I do make money off of that. So I want mm-hmm. you to be aware. And so I'm trying to be as transparent as possible. Um, I include a timeline as much as I, I can kind of predict it upfront. And of course I put a disclaimer that this is just a, a general timeline and things could change depending on certain things. Um, of course, when I when I include my fee, I break it down. I don't just put like the you know, the total of my fees because what I do is I estimate um, um, the number of hours I think this project is going to take me, and um, they know that if I go over that, um, there's it's billable hours. So, but I do give them an estimate so they're aware of kind of where they're going to be, mm-hmm. um, and I break it down so they they're well they can tell how the hours are being used um, as much as possible through you know fa- you know for different phases. Um, so that's in there. Um, and I include what my design intent is. I also include things like my, my assessment of their, the project itself. Um, I even have advertising in my in, in my letter of agreement. Oh. <laughs> it sounds bad saying advertising, but I have some marketing um, in there where I include things like you know you know I'm an award winning designer. I you know this is what I do. This is what right I bring on. to the table. So it, it's it's and there are pictures of some of my projects in there as well. So, so it's not just all like a legal document. There are pictures I'm thrown in there. So um, that's yeah, so it's nice. a little bit involved. It's like something. Like, yeah, I 18 ref- pages, but oh, I it's. it's <laughs> I refer to that stuff as my promoganda. I will jokingly say to my clients, yeah. "Here's a little promoganda." Uh, where I'm bragging about myself, but uh, feel free to take a look at it or pass it on to a girlfriend. And, you know, we've gotten consultations uh, from their friends or family members because they passed on that promoganda. So I think that's great that you have that right there in your letter of agreement. Thank you. Thank you. It also keeps it kind of friendly, doesn't it? Because at the end of the day, it's a pretty intimate relationship and you're going to become closer than you would to your bank manager um, and uh, maybe, you know, um, maybe setting the tone for that isn't a bad thing right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yes. My goal is, is that there is no misunderstanding between me and my clients as much as it's up to me. So for me, everything is spelled out in there. And that's why, uh, and I learned this from you actually, where I review that at the consultation. So I review it with them just so they know what my intentions are. Because sometimes, you know, things can be miscommunicated by um, by the way it's phrased or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, so you have to set that um, tone because you're going to be in this um, person's life for a very, very long time. And so um, so it's better to set the tone from the very, very beginning. Yeah. What I found when I used to just drop off the contract and run, um, I did it out of a little bit of fear. <laughs> I didn't want to kind of talk about all the rules because I felt like I'm, you know, I don't want to sound like the boss or anything crazy like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I did it out of fear. But the result was, and this finally made me change my ways. The result was that often you're meeting just with, let's say, the female, you know, a female partner. Um, and she hasn't shared this information with her husband. And so when I just would drop off my contract and run, I would put her in the position of having her husband ask questions that she couldn't answer. So by slowing down Uh and reading my contract to that client line by line, when the spouse or partner has a question, um, you're putting that person in a better position to be able to answer it, aren't you? 
Exactly. And the, the, the worst thing you'd want to happen there is that she answers it incorrectly. <laughs> so um, so that's why it's so important to get her to understand because, you know, husbands, yeah, in my case, they, that's, what's, that's what happens all the time. The husbands aren't usually in on all the meetings. And so, yes, she's the one that's kind of relaying the information um, back to, to, to her spouse. And so you have to really make sure she understands and ask that, you know, do, do you understand, you know, have them kind of verify, yes, I, I get what that means. So, um, yeah, it's very, very important that they're not passing on the wrong information because the last thing you want is the husbands to hate you. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Now you mentioned something else that's critically important. I think if you're going to succeed in this business and that's transparency, you seem unapologetic about the fact that you need to make money and that's an exception. That's not the rule. In our business, uh, most, most of the designers you meet are sort of apologetic about the fact that they're going to make a profit off selling mm-hmm. someone something, but you seem to have come to grips with that. Was that a process or do you think mm-hmm. you're just hardwired that way? No, it was a process. And um, I, I learned that, you know, within the last couple of years after buying your books and things like that, honestly, it's not something that was like, I'm, I wasn't wired that way, honestly. And, and now I find that I am the biggest believer in it, I want to shout it from the mountaintops that people, we're here, we're, we're running a business. We, we have to make money. Yeah. And so it's very, very important because I mean, I'm a part of many groups on Facebook and I hear designers use words like um, double dipping. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no, you guys. Right. I mean, we are we are supposed to make a profit. We're supposed to run a profitable business. How else, if you're selling products, why would you give up your profits on that? I mean, do you realize that you're taking on some risks here, some um, so, some, some liabilities? So um, yeah, it, it's something that I had to um, grow into, but my confidence level uh, has skyrocketed within the last two years and I have no beef <laughs> telling a client that, yep, this is how I make money and um, this is why I'm still around 10 years later. Wow. So yes, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely... Yes. I have a serious designer crush on you. You're speaking all my language. I love it so much. <laughs> I didn't I didn't come naturally to any of that. But uh, the fact of the matter is we're allowed to make money. We're allowed to make really good money. And I'll tell you, we did a survey recently with the Business of Design community and the vast majority of community members were hoping to make somewhere between thirty dollars and $60,000 a year. Um, and I want wow. our community to know that that's low. That's a that's the introductory level. Um, I think you should all be making um, minimum six figures, and it's very doable. But you have to you have to get serious about the business side. And it sounds like you got serious about the business side. Yes, and it's only until I finally did that I realized the potential to honestly live the life and, and make the living that I've always wanted to. All along, it's been struggle, 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 and, um, you know, working harder, thinking, oh my, if I just put in, you know, five more hours, you know, this is going to do it, when really it was right in front of me. Well, if you're, if you're, if you're selling something, you need to put your proper margins on there. And then I started to kind of look at it from the perspective of retailers. Um, you know, I, in mm-hmm. fact, I had this conversation with another designer just a couple of days ago where I'm like, well, when you go into Walmart and or whatever, and um, you see all the you know, the returns that come back or the damaged packages or the open packages or things just falling on the floor or theft or whatever. Do you think Walmart worries about stuff like that? They have already built in that into their profit margins. And so that's already covered. So why aren't we doing that? Why aren't we building in for time that we know we're going to spend on, um, you know, this can go wrong, that can go wrong, because we know with a project, it's always, something always goes wrong. Always. So why aren't we building that into our profit margins? And so it, it's interesting to me that we, um, because I guess because we're mostly women and we're nurturing and we, we, we care about other people more than ourselves half the time, we feel like, oh my gosh, let me just kind of see how little I can charge this person yes. just to kind of get them to be happy. Because uh, we want to make everybody happy. And at the end of the day, I like when my bank account is happy. <laughs> <laughs> it feels feels good, right? I mean, that is a measure of success. It's not the only measure of success, but it is a mm-hmm. measure of success. Right. And I agree with you that it, it is slightly a female thing. I know I had two brothers growing up and I watched the messages that my brothers received, which were, you can do this, go get it, make it happen. You're the man. And then I got very different messages. Don't rock the boat, mm-hmm. be nice, 
get along with everybody, don't ask for more. Uh, I got messages mm-hmm. that were exact opposite of the messages my brothers got. So for a lot of us, we have to undo some of that habitual learning in favor of adopting mm-hmm. mature business practices. So one of the things I've noticed about you right away is that you are evaluate where you're at. So you knew when I asked you, which is very rare, how many consultations do you get a month? Um, do you know what your conversion rate is of people who phone in for a consultation? Are you getting 80%, 90% of those people being converted to actual consultation paying customers? Mm-hmm. I would say it's more like in the 90s, about 90%, because wow. um, yeah, for the most part, people actually, and I think that's why that's why it's important maybe to disclose your pricing on your website. Not a lot of designers are comfortable doing that. I don't know if it matters where you live or what um, market you're trying to get or your, your, your niche, but I disclose my pricing. So that kind of is half the battle for me. Um, my website itself, I, I kind of treat it as um, as kind of like a business partner that is supposed to be a workhorse for me and give mm-hmm. out information kind of like a, a, a an admin person would. So by the time people call me, honestly, they're already kind of aware of how I work. And so I think that helps my conversion rates uh, um, quite a bit. But even so, I mean, you you do want to be able to to sell them uh, while you're on the phone. And so I do take my calls myself. Um, I don't have a staff right now, but so I do take my calls and I really... Even if I had a staff, I think I would still want to do that part just because I feel like that is where I have to really... without Without... the consultations without people booking those consultations, you don't get jobs. Right. So I really feel like, um, you know, that helps when you can talk them through your process and kind of prove to them from the very beginning that you're, you're a professional designer, you have processes in place, you have systems in place. And of course you can train somebody else to do that, but I enjoy actually talking to, to, to new prospects that way. Mm -hmm. So I I really think all those little elements really helped help my conversion rate. But I'm telling you, most people who call end up doing some level of service with me, at least come out for the consultation. They don't all lead to big projects. They don't all lead to, um, um, projects, but they at least have me come out to give them some some direction with their projects. Well, it's obvious to me, just listening to you, that you're you're very capable of being your own salesperson. I mean, I buy anything from you. Just you need to sell me something, Veronica, because I'm in. <laughs> but for a lot of people, if you know, if you know that that's not your strong suit, if you know that selling makes you want to run to the bathroom and hide, then you might consider hiring someone just on a contract basis to answer your phone. They might charge you twenty five, thirty five bucks an hour, uh, but chances are, you know, that you're not going to be paying them very much. And if they're better at sales and they will convert more mm-hmm. people into purchasing your consultations, it'll be money well spent. So if you're very good and you're super strong mm-hmm. like Veronica, go for it. If not, hire someone to answer your phone and start measuring those yeah, metrics. Start measuring how many people are phoning you, how many you're turning in. Do you know, really all of us, it should be at the 90% mark. And I think you're so right. Put your fees on your website. Mm-hmm. That is a pre-qualifier. It's going to weed out clients mm-hmm. who are not um, the right clients for you. So you don't have to answer a whole bunch of phone calls that don't lead to results. Exactly. Exactly. That's worked wonderfully for my business. Wow. This is so good. Is there anything else about the consultation process that you want to make sure you tell everybody? Maybe it's somebody who's just starting out and they're terrified and they're going to go on their first few consultations this year and they're not quite sure what's supposed to happen. What would you say to that person? I would say just really um, refine your process. Um, First of all, have the confidence because you are more than capable. You're more than worthy of all, you know, the projects that that are going to come your way. Um, But really refine your process. Um, Have some kind of script in mind. It doesn't have to be like a script because you don't want to sound rehearsed on the phone. But you really want to be able to go over the benefits. Um, Why would this um, designer, why would this client choose me over another designer? Um, Because sometimes they're calling multiple firms by the time they call you. So mm-hmm. really kind of just refine that process. Um, get over the fear because um, the clients, they, they know that you're going to give them something that they cannot do for themselves. So they're already um, ready. They want you. So just kind of treat the process as if you're the person that's going to solve their problem. And once you kind of get that through your head that, yes, I'm the person for that's going to solve your problem, then that's, that, that helps your confidence quite a bit. 
such good information. I'm going to throw out that there are a couple of courses related to consultations as well. Step one, of course, and a, a couple of exercises at businessofdesign.com as well that will push you to define your value. If you can't describe very quickly off the top of your head the value that you can bring to that customer who's phoning you for a consultation, then you're going to have a hard time selling yourself. So those are really good exercises mm-hmm. to have under your belt. until And then confidence can come. You do it a few times. You have success a few times. Mm-hmm. Confidence will will grow on you. Um, there's no question about it. Mm-hmm. So I want to hit yeah. you with some rapid fire value bomb questions. Um, we haven't prepared okay. for this. Veronica has no idea what's coming at her, but I promise these are all things you're going to be able to answer. <laughs> um, and you'll be great at answering them. Okay. So the first one is, what do you love about your contract? Is there a clause or a section in your contract that you just are so grateful for every time you read it? You're just so happy you have it in your contract. <sighs> I am grateful for the part of my contract that says, um, well, that talks about, um, you know, markups, which, like I said, I don't use the word markup, but basically that's what it covers. I'm very grateful that it says that um, I'm not necessarily obligated to go in and find you the least expensive product out there. And that if you do find a, a product that's less expensive out there, then, you know, it's we're not going to go back and I'm not going to refund you. Um, so I, I put those things in my contract just because they really, really cover me from the, the clients who like to shop and things like that. I don't run into that very much because, you know, you know, you know I'm covered there. Oh, I love that. Transparent. That's what that's about. It's about being transparent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not my job to find you the cheapest mm-hmm. thing in the whole world. And your hourly rate, by mm-hmm. the way, would indicate that is true as well. So when you have an hourly rate that's $25 right. an hour, $50 an hour, you are sending a message that your job is to be super cheap. Uh, and that may not mm-hmm. be uh, a goal that's good for you. So that's a great answer. Okay, how about this one? Do you have uh, a technology tool that you love and use all the time? Yes, I use uh, Visita. Um, it's an app that's um, linked to my website. Um, and basically, it's like a booking. It, it books your appointments for you, and clients can go there and pay, and clients can go there, send you documents and all that. So it's kind of like a contact form, almost a client portal of sorts, and um, it's a way they can book appointments and pay for them. And so um, I actually have um, people, clients, they, they brought, you know, this happens late at night sometimes. I guess they've just found my website and they're going through and they're, you know, they were like, oh, I like this girl. I want to hire her for my project. And they just go ahead and pay for their consultations without even contacting me first. I'll wake up in the morning and wow. congratulations, Veronica, you got a payment. So um, of course I follow up and make sure that they're ideal. But um, that app is just done wonders for me. It's almost like a little assistant on my website. So I love it. I was going to say that's like having your own virtual assistant. How do you spell Visita? It's just letter V, then C-I-T-A. Oh, Visita. Okay, everybody, when you go to the show notes for this episode of Veronica Solomon, uh, we'll make sure that we have a link there. That's a great one, and I haven't heard about it. I'm going to check it out right away. Love that one. Love it. (laughs) Okay, how about this one? What do you outsource? If you outsource anything, what do you outsource? Um, I, I definitely outsource my renderings. Um, you know, I have a, gen, a little guy that does my um, 3D renderings for me and just, just general floor plans. And I also outsource, you know, bookkeeping type stuff where, um, you know, reconciling my bank accounts and I've, you know, five different bank accounts. So it's kind of hard to keep track. So I need somebody to come in who knows what they're doing. And so I, I outsource those items so I don't have to deal with them every month. I love it. So many people are afraid to outsource anything because they want to control everything. But I figured out that I'm I'm good at a few things and then I'm not good at the others. So I'm, I happily outsource. And I don't know if you do this, but anything I outsource on behalf of clients, I have a markup on it. Um, and, and you hit the nail on the head earlier. You said, because when you sell that product, when you sell that service, you assume risk and responsibility and liability. So it's okay to mark up mm-hmm. those things to clients, provided clients understand that that's what's happening. Exactly, exactly. Um, in, my, in my letter of agreement, it does cover um, what I bill um, my red rings at. So, it, you know, obviously it's a lot more than I'm charged, you know, my, my, he charges me for that. So I'm definitely marking that up because it's, it's a service you're providing and 
sometimes there are revisions that are needed and all that good stuff. So yeah, you, you do need to cover yourself in that way. Love it. Okay. What about the new person who's just starting out and they're listening to you and they're like, I'll never be like Veronica. What would you say to that person? What should they do right out of the gate to launch their career successfully? I'd say to launch a career successfully, um, you want to start with a good website. And it's really, you, you definitely want to outsource that if you don't know um, how to, to build a website, for example. But you really want your voice to be heard on your website. You really want it to represent the, the market that you're trying to reach. And so I'd say a good website that will give some, some information about you, you know, brag on you a little bit, but really addressing what you can do for clients because it's really about them. So you want you, you want to address what their challenges are going to be, and you can know what you know from from the clients that you're trying to reach. You you know what their challenges are. You know, I live in an area with you know young families and you know little kids and dogs and stuff, and so I know what kind of challenges they typically have. And right. so that's kind of how you you put your website in a way where you know it it sells you as a designer. So that's what that's where I'd start. Um, and then, of course, um, having a process in place for when people do reach out to you. Um, you know, for me, I know until I started, you know, to do it in a professional manner. Right? Once I talk to the client on the phone and book that appointment, and I send out once they pay the invoice, I send out a welcome letter, and that welcome letter kind of goes over, you know, um, confirming your appointment. It goes over, um, you know, what to expect during a consultation. It goes over all that stuff, and you know, it just comes off very professional, and they know what to expect. There are no surprises. They, I even tell them to kind of, this is how you prepare for a consultation to make best use of time. So have some systems in place to, to, to show how professional you are um, and just be confident. I mean, you guys, you can do it. <laughs> starting out is, is a good thing because you're starting fresh and you're, you have so many resources available to you yeah. these days where you can kind of just Pick what works for you and, and go with that. So, so um, true. it's a good thing when you're starting out fresh sometimes. Yeah. So true. Now tell us your website so we can all check out your website. Um, so my website is casavillorainteriors.com and it's spelled C-A-S-A-V as in Victor, I-L-O-R-A, followed by the word interiors.com. And in case anybody's wondering, Villora is my middle name. <laughs> Villora, that's a beautiful middle name. Um, and I'm in a, yeah, I think my mom made it up. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's great though. Okay, the last thing I'm going to ask you about <laughs> is um, Facebook. You put some great videos on Facebook. Tell me how you got started doing that and do you think has been worthwhile for your business? Okay. So um, my, the little um, app that I use for my videos on Facebook, it's called Ripple, R-I-P-L. And I, I just came across it one, one day. I was um, on Facebook and I saw it and thought, oh my gosh, it's so cool. And so I use it quite a bit just to kind of get a really specific message out there. And um, the response has been really, really great. It, it's um, my conversion. I'm, I'm getting conversions because of it on Facebook. Because um, Facebook has, uh, you know, in the past has been a challenge, you know, you, you're, you're your information is not necessarily getting in front of your audience. And with these videos, it seems to be. And so I, I, I do a little bit of them just to kind of feature a project I just finished or feature, um, you know, something about me or about the company. And they're about, you know, probably like 30, 45 seconds long, not very long videos, but you, you can get so much um, because it's, it's, it's um, video clips, like pictures, as well as um, captions. And so you can get a lot of information out there in that short time. Time frame and it really catches people's attention because there's music and everything that goes along with it. And so I, I enjoy using that app. Wow. Well, it certainly got my attention and you've inspired me and you continue to inspire all of us. And uh, thank you so much for being candid and generous with information. Uh, when I graduated design school back in 1991, nobody would tell me anything. And uh, I think the industry is slowly changing and uh, people like you, mm -hmm. Veronica, um, make it easier for, for those on the path a little behind us to step up and be successful. And then we all win, which is great. So Veronica, keep up the great work. We're going to be watching you on Facebook. I hope you'll come back on the podcast again because you're a fantastic guest and we'd love to have you. Yay! <laughs> I'd love to come back. Thank you so much for having me on. I really, really enjoyed it. And yes, it, it's, it's a good thing that we're more open now than we've always been because it's there, there's enough for all of us and we can all win, just like you said. I love it. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks, Kimberly. Take care. <laughs>